Welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a heart for God and a deep love for people. You can learn more about our church by visiting www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. Um, my name is Don Flynn. A lot of y'all don't know, but I'm, uh, I'm an elder here at the church, one of the elders. And uh, so, uh, Brother Chris is in Africa, and Derek's taking the day off, so y'all got third strain today. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we would confess that unless you show up today, and unless you put the words in my mouth that you want uh, to be there, then nothing, nothing of any consequence, nothing of any good is going to happen. So, Lord, we give this time to you, and I submit myself to you. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, what is going on? Is it, is it my, is my lip hitting this thing or something? Is that, do y'all kind of hear that? Is it kind of bumping? Is that better? Okay. All right. Um, I'm not a hypochondriac. My wife would probably tell you different, but have you ever, have you ever woke up one morning and, and there's just kind of this, you have this dull something going on with you. Maybe it's a dull pain in your chest or it's in your head, anything. Well, this is going to go away. And it doesn't. And then, of course, if you're like me, you know, the, the imagination is a weird thing. Imagination never runs to a good place, always runs to a dark place. So I've had brain tumors and chest tumors and abscesses and having a dandy. I've had them all. But sometimes you really do kind of get this just bad feeling. And so you put up with it, you put up with it, you think, well, I'm going to let it go. Well, it doesn't go away. You think, well, I'll go to the doctor. You go to the doctor. Doctor says, well, we ran the blood tests. Sean, you've probably seen patients that do this. And you go, I can't find anything. So go home. You go home. And you just kind of keep putting up with it and putting up with it. And it's just this dull ache or this dull pain. And you just go on and on and on. And maybe it, maybe it resolves and maybe it doesn't. Maybe you just have to live with it for the rest of your life. But I would contend that there is an, an ache that we all feel. And... Uh, from time to time, some of us more than others, and it's it's kind of in it's kind of indefinable, and it's and it's and it's aggravating, it's indescribable. And so the other day, when I was on my walk with Bella, my dog, y'all know that's where I do all my, all my thinking. I was thinking, and what ha- what had happened is this is kind of a weird deal, but my daughter and her husband, their dog died. And it was, it was just really painful for me. Because I'm, I'm a dog guy. And I love this dog. And I love my kids. And I mean for, for two or three days I just ached. And I ached and I ached. And I thought. And, I, and I'm trying to put my finger out. What is it really that, that, that we have. We, we get this ache. And what is it? And I thought I finally figured it out. I have finally figured out what it is that we all suffer from. But we can't really quite put our finger on it. And you know what it is? It's loneliness. We all suffer from loneliness. Tandy sometimes, she'll just look at me. We'll be having a great day. And, you know, she's, and I can kind of tell, she's just kind of thinking, that is really aggravating. What can I do? Pull it. I don't want to break it. Well, that hurt. (laughs) Okay. Um, so you can count yourself 
blessed because today I have made a very profound discovery. The thing that really affects us all. And it's loneliness. It truly is. Mankind suffers from mass loneliness. Um, Sonny's here from India. Sonny, do they get lonely in India? Lots of lonely, right? I've got a friend today that's watching from China. Mike, they get lonely in China, don't they? Mike's probably saying, yeah, they get lonely in China. People are desperately lonely. Jesus may have been the loneliest man who ever thought, walked face the earth. I really believe that. And I'm, I want to talk about the loneliness of Christ. I want to talk about our loneliness. I want to talk about our role in, in, in solving that problem. We can't solve all of it. Loneliness has to do, does not have to do so much with physical separation from other people as it does uh, a di- to be disconnected or to be alienated from them. Um, sometimes loneliness is caused by being misunderstood. And I'm going to get into some specifics in a second. From being despised and rejected. You know the passage in uh, Isaiah 53, 53.3, talking about the Messiah. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I want you to consider a few things about Jesus himself and the, and the loneliness that Jesus felt. Can you imagine the unfathomable homesickness that he must have felt? For eternity past, he had been in perfect relationship with his father. And then suddenly, he is no longer in his home. Although he created the earth, he finds himself in an alien world. Has anybody here ever been homesick? I have. Tandy and I used to live in Denver, Colorado. And we had a really nice home in Denver. And I remember our home faced the Rocky Mountains. And I would sit on that front porch, sometimes after work, looking out at Mount Evans, and it's beautiful, you know, snow-capped. Everybody said, oh, man, what a place, what a nice place to live. But I would sit and just pine for home. And I thought, how in the world can I be this lonely? You know, I mean, we're happy. We had Pat and Tina Walsh are here. They're our friends. They were our family out there. And, but I did. I missed my home. Can you imagine how multiplied that was for Christ? Absence from his father. And human rejection that we cannot even fathom. Some people don't like you. Think about the, le- think about the level of rejection that he felt. And we're going to get to that in a second. And somebody say, well, I'm really not sure he's lonely. Because uh, Derek was talking about uh, withdrawing. You know, there were a lot of times where Jesus would, would, would withdraw. You think, oh, well, he's having, he's having a conversation with his dad. It's true. But there's quite a bit of difference between being with somebody and having FaceTime with somebody or being long distance with somebody. I can remember when Tandy and I dated and I was just completely obsessed with her. I still am. But, you know, I would just, I would just, I couldn't wait to be with her. And then we would spend a few days together and then I'd have to get in the car and leave. And I, and I can just remember that that crushing loneliness and I think well we would write cards and we would call but it it's just not the same that presence that he felt with his dad just not the same consider that he moved to a world that was dominated by his enemy think about that so this earth that he created perfectly And then he comes down here, and guess who rules this world? Satan. 
still does. Still does. Think about how desolate this earth must look compared to his celestial home. I mean, we try to imagine what heaven must look like. This place looks like a dumpster fire. I mean, we're living in an absolute ghetto. And so Jesus from, from, from eternity past had lived in this unbelievable place. And he comes here. I thought about that. I thought, can you imagine for a second that if, if suddenly today you had to become an ant or a roach. And now you have to go live in the ground with a bunch of ants or roaches. I don't think that even approaches what he must have felt. A sinless man alone in a sinful world, wholly being surrounded by sinners and demonic powers. You think about Lot when he was, you know, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about the stuff he was surrounded by. It pales in comparison to what Jesus, a sinless man, here, by himself, away from his father. The level of loneliness, I don't understand. Think about this as a child. And this is hard. Kids want to be friends with other kids. But can you imagine how weird he appeared to other children? I mean, let's just be honest. Can you imagine him as a child? I mean, we've got a bunch of grandkids. They're not even close to perfect. But can you imagine a little child who never crossed anybody, who obeyed every command, who never did anything wrong, and the other kids are looking at him going, don't play that weird kid. And so, you know, he probably, as a kid, he was probably a loner. Think about it. Because, you know, kids are kind of like fish. In a pond, when there's a little crippled minnow swimming around, guess what happens? The other fish eat it. And that's kind of the way kids do. Kids are cruel. What a lonely, lonely life Jesus led. He must have just appeared to be the weirdest kid. And I thought about that for a second. Loneliness in the in extreme with kids. Look at our society today. What happens to our kids who are lonely today? They end up in depression. Do what? Anxiety. Now, I'm, this one no one almost talk about. We have this thing called gender dysphoria. I believe a lot of that just comes from loneliness. Suicide. We got a lot of kids committing suicide. Hate to say this one. Mass shootings. Every time some kid commits a mass shooting, they go, and then they ask the neighbors, what do they always say? Seemed like a nice kid, but he was always alone. We are surrounded, surrounded by loneliness. This church has got a lot of loneliness, although it's, we do a pretty good job of uh, hiding it. Jesus would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Even rejected and misunderstood by his own family. What did his siblings think of him? Not much. I mean, even, even when he was in his ministry, they were like, well, we don't know about him. Can you imagine as a kid, every time something went wrong, they were going, well, Jesus didn't do it. <laughs> as much as his earthly parents loved him, did they even understand him? Impossible. 
And I think as a kid, you know, you don't, you don't really know. You, you, it's hard for you to know what he knew in terms of his, you know, who exactly he was. He knew he was different, but he must have thought, you know, my parents don't get me. That would have been a lonely spot. To think that the people who are supposed to love you the most in your life, and they don't even get you, wow. That would be very, very tough. Loneliness to a child is devastating. It is just devastating. Obviously, when he got older, he was despised and rejected by the religious establishment. Think about this. He himself was a rabbi. He knew the scriptures better than anybody. When he went in and was preaching in the synagogue, even the teachers were going, how in the world can this guy be this brilliant? And, and they knew everything he was saying was true, but what did they do? Rejected and despised him. <clears throat> there was not one person in his, in his whole existence that could come up alongside and put their arm around him and say, Amen. I know what you're going through. Not one person. In fact, there's a scripture that says that Jesus entrusted himself to who? No one. Why? Because he knew him. Can you imagine not being able to entrust yourself to anybody because you know what's inside of them? I'm getting lonely just thinking about it. Not to mention the ultimate loneliness on the day he was crucified. Separated from his father. All his life here on earth. Gets to the cross. And what happens with his dad? His dad says. I can't look at you. I cannot look at you. And he turns and he says. Why have you forsaken me? Man. So. We know that loneliness comes in many forms. So let's talk about us. <clears throat> if you're single, that can be really lonely. It can. <laughs> if you're married, that can be really lonely. If you're divorced, that can be really lonely. If you lose a spouse or a child, which I can't even imagine, that must be the depths of loneliness. Having to live through a life-altering or life-threatening sickness. Because when you're really, really sick, even though you're surrounded by people who love you, they cannot live, they cannot live your experience. And you can be as close as you want to with people, but when you're really, really sick, that has got to be a really lonely feeling. I've never experienced that myself. My mom did. Um, Allie, when Matt's on deployment, that must get really lonely. Matt, when you're on deployment, that must get really lonely. When your adult children leave the faith, they go away to college and they get educated and they figure out that all this stuff that we think is true is not true. Whatever. That can be really lonely. They seem to forget you. Seem to forget everything you taught them. Living a long distance 
long distance from home, lonely. Here's one. Carrying the weight and responsibility of running a company or a church. Derek, I bet you that sometimes running a church got pretty lonely. Because no one can really identify what you're going through. My son runs a company. Charles Parker runs a company. You have all these men that you're responsible for, for making sure that they have a job. That must be crushing loneliness sometimes. Because nobody can say, well, hey, I know what you're going through. Mm -mm. You can be alone in a crowd. You can be friendless. You can have a dark secret. You can have a dark past or some hard, hard things that maybe you grew up with as a child. And you're all alone in that because no one can really identify with that. People in jail. I wish Tim was here. Some lonely people in jail and prison. Some lonely people in hospitals. Some lonely people in nursing homes. Have you ever been to a nursing home? You go to a nursing home sometime to see somebody that you care about. And then you ask about the guy next door, the woman next door, and the, and the nurse says, so sad, their family never comes to see them. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And how do we cope with it? Well, some people cope with it with social media. How's that working out? Fake world. Nothing real in that world. If anything, you go lonely to social media and you leave depressed. You're like, well, heck, everybody's on vacation except me. Everybody's having pasta tonight but, but me. Everybody's dog is doing tricks but mine. It's a lonely place. It's a fake world. <clears throat> How else do we deal with it? Some people do it through incessant activity. The next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. It's kind of a numbing mechanism. That's kind of one of, the way, one of the ways we deal with it. Some people do it by hiding in professional development. Achieve, 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 achieve. But in the end, you're still kind of by yourself. We just get consumed. We get consumed with knowledge. We get consumed with fitness. We do all these things. We jump in and out of relationships. We live vicariously through our children and grandchildren. Never dealing with the stuff. Addiction. In, in short, anything to stay busy. Anything. It's a heart ailment. And at the root of it, loneliness, the thing that we all crave, is, is our need for intimacy. Or as we talk about in making peace, intimacy is what? Into me see. That's what it is. Intimacy. Into me see. We want, to, we want to know other people and we want to be known. And I'm probably going to get ahead of myself, but we're going to talk about how that really, really on this side of heaven is not, it's not possible. It's just not. And so as a result, what happens is we start living in, again, some, another making peace term, we do live in if only land. If only. If only I could do this. If only I had this. If only I was in this relationship. If only my children did this. If only I could achieve this. If only. And so what happens is we never really deal with the thing that it is that's really, that's really killing us. 
It's loneliness. Now, the church is a, listen, we're a big part of the solution. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. We don't always do a great job, but we, sh- we should be a, better, a bigger part of the solution. And I kind of compare this, this, this non-stop searching that we do. Does, does, anybody hear, does anybody here hunt deer? Not many. Anybody know what blue tongue is? It's a terrible disease. Robert, you know, what, you know what happens to deer at the end of the life cycle in blue tongue? You know what happens to them? What happens? Yeah. And what happens is they think they're thirsty. And so, and they are. So what they do is they go and they try to find a water source and they drink 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 and and guess what happens? Then they die. And that's kind of the way we are. We're always thirsty, always looking for that, always looking for that thing that's going to quench us. But in the end, it just can't. It can't. So you think, oh, good, that's a really encouraging sermon. (laughs) Can we be dismissed? (laughs) All right, but there is good news. Because with every problem, there's always an opportunity. Um, let me get my glasses. I think it's interesting. Um, you know, had Jesus come and lived this royal existence and sat on a throne and ruled and walked down the street, you know, he would have had no way to um, identify with us. But he didn't. He lived, he lived that lonely life. And I love this passage in Hebrews, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says, therefore, we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize. Wait a minute. For we, have a, but for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. So let us approach God's throne of grace and confidence, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus understands our loneliness. He gets it. We can go to him, and we can talk about it, and he's like, I get you. I felt it. I have felt rejection. I have felt disappointment. I have felt homesickness. I have felt all those things. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, what a good Savior. Because you think about it. The, the genesis of our loneliness was born out of our rebellion. When we were in the Garden of Eden, and we were in perfect relationship with God, we were always with Him. But the thing that happened upon our rejection of Him was that was the birth of loneliness. From that point on, we were trying to figure out how do we get back to him. Fortunately, he figured out how to get back to us. But there's a part of us that will never be satisfied um, until that presence is restored as it was intended. That's just the way it is. Because down deep, that is our true longing. I don't care how happy you are. There are going to be times when this feeling sinks over you. and You go, what is that? Because in us, God and eternity are a part of who we are. And that loneliness that we feel, we may think it's whatever. But it's not. It is truly our desire to be with him intimately. C.S. Lewis talks about the desire deep inside of us. 
he says, for, he talks about how this deep desire inside of us is for our own far off country that we really can't describe. And of trying to rip open the inconsolable secret in each of us. It's a desire for something that has never actually appeared in our experience. Do you ever feel that? It's that, I can't even describe what it is. It's that, it's, Sean, we, we've talked about this. It's nostalgia. We call it nostalgia, but that's not it. It's that desire to have that loneliness erased. St. Augustine said, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. So, we've identified the problem, so let's talk about what we can do. Some people are going to run from it. They just are. Um, And you can present someone the answer to the problem over and over and over. But until they come to the end of themselves, until they figure out, I really can't, I cannot do this, nothing's going to change. That's a tough one. That's a real tough one. I would encourage those of us who know better, though, that as these times seep into your life, now that you know, now that I've told you what it is, you know where you can go get it fixed. Understand what it is. And, and, and yeah, I mean, Jesus is the answer. You know, it's kind of like the preacher doing the children's sermon. What's, what's brown and has a fuzzy tail and sits in a tree. And the kid says, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but it must be Jesus. It's always Jesus. But our mission, the church is to introduce people relentlessly over and over and over and over to the Savior who is able to take away the loneliness. Because if you've ever been in sales in your life, one of the things that Tandy and I, we, I used to train salesmen for years, and I told them, one of the things you have to be able to do is you have to be able to identify the need in someone's life before the need can be met. Do you know that most people who suffer in this world from sadness... It's loneliness. And the only answer to loneliness is the God who created us to be in perfect relationship with us. So now that you know, you can look at anybody and go, I know what the answer is. You're lonely. They're like, well, I didn't really know that was what it was, but that's what it is. Does any, I'm going to ask you all to raise your hands. Anybody here ever get lonely? Look around. Everybody's lonely. We're all lonely. But ours is the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. See, because here's what happens. You talk to people and say, well, I'm not very good at sharing my faith. Or I'm not very gifted at this. Or I'm not very gifted at that. You realize that the only ministry we have is the ministry of reconciliation. To constantly be introducing people back to Christ. Back to Christ. What do you need? Well, I'm lonely. Okay, meet this guy. What do you need? I'm lonely. Meet this guy. That's all we have to do. I understand how you feel. Meet this guy. That is the ministry of reconciliation. You don't have to be a theologian. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now you know the problem. Now you know the solution. But here's the deal. It really does require a lot of empathy. And I will just be honest with you. I, some people just drive me crazy. And I drive some people crazy. I drive Tandy crazy. But we've got to learn to empathize with people. We've got to learn that everybody is the way they are because it's usually some garbage in their past. And I could preach all day on that. But what we tend to do is we tend to look at people and go, well, they drive me crazy. I don't want to be in their presence. Or, or, or we, think, we think they're pitiful on purpose. And they're just not. They're just flawed, lonely people. And we're surrounded by them. Requires empathy. Requires understanding just how desperate their need is. <laughs> what I've learned to do is I've learned, to pe- I've learned to look at people who are just a mess. And then I go, okay, let me, let me size that up. And I go, all right, now let me look at me. I go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I think I'm a bigger mess than they are. We don't tend to do that though. We just don't do that. So I'm going to end by saying this. It's really cool having Graceway here. And as we've seen them kind of being folded into our church and, and all of us kind of existing together. You know, on earth, really the only thing we can do here is be in relationship with each other. That's really all we can do. Now, is it going to be perfect? No, it's not. Because I am very imperfect. And somebody says, well, I'd like to be your friend. I go, well, you'd like to be my friend until you get to know me. (laughs) Then they walk away and they go, man, that guy is so set in his ways. And he is so opinionated. But that's what we have to do. We have to invest in relationships with one another. We have to be willing to be known so that we can know others. Because the bottom line is this. We are all trying to get through this mess that we have on this earthly plane. So that at some point in the future, that loneliness, that ache inside of us can be resolved once and for all. And we have to learn to look at each other to understand we're all in the same spot. I think for the most part we do a great job. So it's funny because I've talked to Derek and me and Chris talk about, you know, and it's like me and Chris were, we went to um, Atlanta a few weeks ago and y'all know Chris, Chris, he really, he, he grinds on stuff. He grinds on stuff because he's a thinker. I'm not a thinker. I'm just kind of a feeler. That's why we're good friends. Um, But he'll say, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about strategies and all this other stuff and that's all good. It's all good stuff. But the bottom line to all this is, it's like people, our music today, great. Derek, great announcements. Great children's sermons. Great suckers. It's all good. You know why people come here? Because they feel like they're known. It's about the relationships. That's all it is. I'm done. So let's pray. Lord, we are in desperate need of you. We know that. 
Lord, we do live in a really fallen and lonely world. Lord, we need to be reminded all the time to be on the lookout for all of these lonely people that surround us. The lonely people inside of our church. The lonely people who live on the street. And Lord, just to be prepared uh, when given the opportunity to give an account for the hope that lives in us. And Lord, for us, that you would draw us closer, that we would know you better, that we would know you so intimately that when we talk to others, we can tell them with, about you with confidence as if we're talking about our closest friend or closest brother. So Lord, we pray now that as we head out here this week, that you would be constantly reminding us to look around Look around us for the lonely people that are needing to be in a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that you have showed up here this morning. Lord, I, I thank you that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that you, have, uh, that you have bonded us into one family. Not only here, Lord, but uh, your church at large. Lord, I also want to take this time, too, as, as, as I think about Sonny. I pray, Lord, for, for, for the church in, in India. I think about, Lord, our, our team in Africa, for the work that they're doing. Lord, it's, it's, all, the same, it's all the same thing. It's, it's all the same church. It's all the same body. And I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would just empower, those, empower that team in Africa as they're going this week. And Lord, again, we are really careful to understand, to give you all the praise and glory for all the things that you do because, because you are the author of everything that is good in our lives. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. At Graceway, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section. Or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.